This is our penultimate session or penultimate um, part of dealing with the book of Revelation. And um, just to, to, to remind us a little bit of the, the scenario. So this is a group, or the letter is addressed to a group of churches, group of believers, who basically they are leaving their lives out post-resurrection. And in their attempt to leave their lives out, they're, they're dealing with different sorts of things. And John, in his pastoral heart, wants to actually reach out to them. In his pastoral heart, he wants to, to, to address things that actually they're so busy doing and not doing. Am I echoing a lot? No? Okay, fine. Um, so, there is this group of believers who is facing persecution. In the midst of their persecution, in their pursuit of disciples and being followers of Jesus, they are facing false teaching. In the midst of this, they also don't know what they need to do because they are so compromised with what the world is offering them, and how tough it is to be a follower of Jesus. So John, in his pastoral heart, he wants to reach out to them and say, come on guys, remember who has called you to this journey of faith. Let's not lose sight of who God is, and what is his role, and what is his position, and what is his say in all of this. So John is taken to this vision where he has to, to, to pass on this vision to, to these recipients. And we have been seeing different elements of visions. We have seen, we've been seeing elements of glorious victory of God. We've been seeing elements of judgment. We've been seeing elements of, of the church in, in all these periods of judgment and, and victory. And we're coming towards the, the... So today we're going to be talking about chapter 18 and uh, thinking about chapter 18 and chapter 19 and then next Sunday we're going to be thinking what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven because we're going to be looking at chapter 20 and 21 with the young people in but today we're going to be talking about a subject which is really tough we have experienced that with the book of Revelation that actually it is not straightforward. And my take on it has been that we're not going to spend a lot of time in the detail of the symbolism. But what is it for us that we can say and actually respond to John's call for us to worship God and to take some principles for our Christian walk, for our pursuit of discipleship. So we're going, we, we touched a little bit last Sunday and I know that I, I'm, I'm not doing a big favour to the passages by going into the detail, but I'm assuming that we're reading them, I'm assuming that we're spending time looking at, at the, the, the um, details, if we wanted to go down that route uh, on our own time. So here we go, chapter 17 uh, opens the, the kind of the curtains for Babylon, and today we're going to be looking at chapter 18, and chapter 18 starts with a really heavy note if we look at chapter 18, verse 2, there was an angel with 
well, verse 1 actually, coming down from heaven with great authority, the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice, he said, Babylon is fallen. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a home for every evil spirit, a home for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddering wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people. So, when we read this passage, um, and we'll we'll, we'll read some other verses from here, basically, we're not talking here about a sex worker. But what is Babylon? Where, Where do we read elsewhere in the scriptures about Babylon? And actually, it starts with the Tower of Babel. It starts with that fulfillment of, of actually the serpent in the garden wanting to deceive Adam and Eve to say that if you eat from the, true, uh, the, the fruit of knowing the good and evil, you become like God. And you see the repercussions of that because what happens in the Tower of, uh, of Babel was that men grouped up together, they efforted together to ascend to God's throne. What does Babylon remind us throughout the whole history? Look at it. The glory of man in human power. The independence of man through the world's wealth. The beauty of man in arts and science. So Babylon is not just a city, a country, a nation, but it represents the pinnacle of human achievement. Does it sound familiar? Does it ring any bell? Babylon the Great is fallen, says the angel. And here we go again, dealing with a very difficult passage and we're saying well but God what I've been asking God all week what, what does Babylon mean for us as Cairns Road what is it something that we can look at here and we're saying well but actually we can, we can do something with this I don't want to spend a lot of time on Babylon I'd love to spend a little bit more time today on chapter 19 if I, if I can but I don't want to also underestimate because I think it's such a familiar recurring theme for us in the day where we live because I don't want to undermine it about this human man achieving its pinnacle of its power of its arrogance of its ability to overcome whatever God is offering there so what we see here, if you read chapter 18, there is this, this big figure of splendor. This, this glamorous thing outside, but inside is rotten. 
She is considered as the great harlot. She's got names of blasphemy covering her forehead. She's offering to the kings, to the merchants, to the people who are in power, temporal things, which for the time being they look very glamorous and they look very great. But down deep and in long term, they're weaker than God. Eugene Peterson says, The whore's lie is that love is purchased and that relationships are deals and that sexuality is appetite. So this, this great Babylon that is fallen is tempting and it's manipulative because basically it's carrying on with the same model of the boss of liars and boss of lies, the devil. But what we hear and what we read in chapter 18 is that actually, although it may become and may come across as successful, as the pinnacle of achievement, Babylon is fallen. So once again, John wants to remind the recipients that actually, although you may think that the grass is greener on the other side, although in the midst of your dilemma of compromise, you, 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 you're thinking that they've got a better, better deal than you are, Stay faithful, because that's the rotten fruit that may look fantastic from the outside, but it's rotten from inside. Babylon the Great is fallen, and everything that comes with it as a package fails or falls as well. Babylon is not only tempting and manipulative, but actually the destruction of it, or the, 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 it's, it's all of a sudden people would not know. Now I remember in 1997, Albania was being well, 96 actually, more to be more precise, was being part of these pyramid schemes, and it started off as a very clever. And successful idea. You put 100 pounds in the pot, within three months you get 300 pounds. And then you take those 300 pounds, you put them again in the pot, and then in the end of three months you're going to get 900 pounds. And the Albanians thought that this was the best way to get rich. And it started to build up. It took a while to take off, but it started to build up to the point that everybody saw it working and they got manipulated and deceived to put on everything they had. I know f friends of mine, their families waited and waited for this to work or not. They were not so sure, but in the end they said, oh, come on. Let's sell the house and put it all in the pots. 
And then, yeah, I know. So, and then the, the, the great thing was that it worked for three months, so they got the triple the amount of the house that they got, and they said, this is great. Let's put it all in again. And everything stopped just overnight when the government realized that this is failing pyramid schemes and pulled the plug. So the millionaires overnight became purpose because they lost literally everything. Now, I said, I shared that story just for us to get a glimpse and also to remind myself that none of us is exempt from this situation. But we know that this Babylon, this kind of idea of power, of money, is, is very active in our world today. And what, what John is trying to address here is that somehow, in our achievements as the world, as, as in, our, in our success, we have come to the point that we have trumped our need for God. So is this, this Babylon is kind of giving the vibes that this is all about commercialization of the need for God. And the scriptures remind us that as he's fallen, in the blink of an eye, it's going to go. But there is an invitation there. So don't get discouraged. Look, the, the book picks up on encouragement now. And then there is an invitation. Look at chapter 18, verses 4. When God is inviting to come out. Come out. There is an invitation there. Because you'll see that once this Babylon is gone, there is going to be a great lament of kings, of merchants, of, of everybody who is being involved with this. Because Babylon has gained the power from the monster, and the monster has gained the power from the accuser, the devil, the old dragon. Though out of the sight for the moment in chapter 18, he's still remembered in chapter 12, and he's going to be dealt on in chapter 20. So there is an invitation in chapter 18 for each and every one of us. An invitation to come to God and to join Him to distinguish the lie from the truth. God is inviting His people to come out because there is always a part of God's faithful people that are able to discern. We've been given the Holy Spirit the point of which one to choose and to have no hesitation and to know that in leaving, in embracing truth there are consequences and sometimes physical 
and sometimes death. And this is what John is trying to address here. That actually our longing as God's people should be in line with God's heart. And the question that I dare ask myself today, and the question that I dare ask you today, is your longing in line with God's heart? Or is your need for God being suppressed by other things? It's a very searching question. It's a very tough question. But the invitation is here. The invitation is here from God Almighty. Who knows the end of the story? Who is the God of history? And he knows that this system, this Babylon, this kind of replacement of God's needs or people's needs for God is going to be addressed. And God will have his last say. So the question is there for us today. Is our longing in tune with God's heart? Is our need for God being suppressed, suppressed, affected, manipulated, misled by other things other than God? Babylon the Great, fallen, is fallen. And he goes on to talk about the judgment of Babylon and what happens. Read it for yourself. Chapter 19 says, After this I heard what sounded like a roar of great multitudes in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitutes who corrupted the earth by its adulteries. He has avenged on her blood of his servants. And again he shouted, Hallelujah! And again he shouted, Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his servants, who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. This is fantastic. This is mind-blowing. That in the midst of corruption, in the midst of, the, of decay, in the midst of hopelessness, 
God is still inviting us to join the wedding of the bride with the bridegroom. And what is the song that is there? It's messianic. It, 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 it goes back from the Psalms, the, the Hallel Psalms, 91, 92, 93. Hallelujah, salvation belongs to the Lord. Again and again, the book of Revelation comes to these songs repeatedly because they are very good to remember, they are very easy to remember. And it talks about the song of salvation. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. You thought Babylon was reigning until this moment. But that's why Jesus is able to say that in the end. He's Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. He is the one who reigns. Although, today it may look like God is not in charge. Although we look around the world and say, this is really tough. It's gone all out of control. But this multitude of people say, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. And I think that reigning of the kingdom begins with our hearts. That God's reigning in our, in our hearts begins with us realizing that actually, if we have come to that place of suppressing that need for God in our lives with other stuff. We're saying, Jesus, you are king. And our allegiance is with you alone. Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Does God reign in your heart today? Does God reign in this church today? I dare ask the questions because the invitation is still there. And the blessing is still there. Because I don't want to miss out. I want to be one of those people who is invited to the supper of the wedding of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I'll finish with this word. Chapter 19, verse 7. Sorry, verse 9. And then the angel added, These are the true words of God. These are the true words of God. These are not... Do you remember the... Do do, do you see the contrast here? Of the lies of Babylon and the true words of God. Do you see the, the, the contrast of the relationship that Babylon is offering a relationship of adultery? Whereas the Lamb is offering a wedding feast of faithfulness. Babylon is offering lies. 
Whereas the angel is saying, guys, don't mess up with this. Don't mess around. Don't waste your time. These are the true words of God. And I'll stop here. Shall we pray and then see where God leads us from this? Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Thank you for this reminder, Lord, from your word today. Thank you that you invite us to this wedding banquet. Thank you that your words, O God, are true. And thank you, Lord, that you invite us this morning to look at tuning our longing for you. And we can only do that through the Spirit, Lord. Because your spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Rescue us, Father God, from our misplaced longing. And bring us to that place when we consciously Decide in our hearts and in our practices that we need. Help us to our senses. And rescue us, Lord, that we don't go so far like the prodigal son to come to our senses, but we realize that as soon as possible if we're not there. But if we are there, Lord, and we know that our longing is in the right place, would you bless us today? So here we are as your people, Lord. I haven't got a clue how you're going to lead us for the rest of this service. But would you lead us, please? We so much want you, Spirit of God. We so much want you to come and minister to us. You've done it in the past. We've sang in the morning, the beginning. You're faithful yesterday, today and tomorrow. We so much need you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
give us a go. Just, I want us just to stop and um, I want us to take us back. We're going to, a song we practiced earlier and we're going to, we'll sing again while we'll, we'll sing at the end is Good, Good Father. And it talks about how, how God loves us. And as we take Mackie's words and we think about how we respond, I think we need to stop by going, actually, guys, we've got a really good, good father. Okay? And you might find that easy to hear today. You may question that. You may debate that. You may say, well, you haven't seen my week. But actually, God says, look, stop. I love you. And know that you're forgiven. Know that my forgiveness is available, no matter what you've done. Um, because God doesn't call us to hear the words that Mackie's preached and to be condemned or to feel guilty or to, um, you know, kind of become smaller as a result of them. But I just want us to. I guess have a couple of minutes just to, to, to let those words of truth that you have a good, good father kind of dwell into your hearts and, yeah, kind of counter any thoughts that say, actually, that's not true, because it is. And out of that, I want us to encourage us to respond and to say, God, you're my father, so you know me. I can't pretend that I've got it all sorted. I can't pretend that my motives are always great. I can't pretend that I spend my time always in the right ways. But out of that knowledge that we're loved, then we say, Father, would you come and help us to change? Would you come and, through your Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do differently? Not because I'm going to work hard at it, but because you're going to help me to change. And you're going to help me to to live in the knowledge of you because I want to be I want to get to that wedding I want to get to that ceremony I want to get to that party that joy so as we just spend a couple of minutes just let that truth that you you have a good good father that's who God is his heart for you is love and you can't change that and his heart for you is that you know that and that you, I guess, receive that into, into your heart, into your life, into the reality of what your Monday looks like, into the reality of what your Sunday afternoon looks like, into the reality of your dreams, what your career looks like, what your family looks like. And Father God, we just want to pray, yeah, that as we spend this time, that you would, where we need to change where we need to say sorry, where we need your conviction, when we hear that, knowing that that's from a God who loves us, a parent who wants us to, to walk well. You know, just like we heard Jane talk about Hannah and Zoe and that delight of them walking well. We want to see that in our lives, Father God, and knowing that you correct us because you love us. So, Father God, as we spend these few minutes, would you speak? Would your Holy Spirit give us eyes to see?